by for Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with your host, Drew Kirby. Hey, this is Luke Holmes. I am Morgan Wallen. I'm Riley Green. I'm Travis Denning. Hey, I'm Aaron Lewis. Hey, it's Luke Bryan. I'm Tim McGraw. What's up? This is Ian Munsick. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. Welcome in to Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. As always, we bring game and fish in because it's important that we all are on the same page and we get the information that is proper and accurate uh, out to you so that you're maybe not as confused as you may be right now because uh, some very interesting times have just passed us, Janet. Uh, the first draw... And then the application for the leftover draw has uh, come and gone. That's right. And Drew, this is the week that people either love us or they hate us, depending <laughs> on the draw results that you got to see online. So it's it's always a, a tricky time of year when you get that news about what your fall might look like. But we want to remind folks, if you missed the, the leftover draw, that was the application deadline for that was June 23rd. So we're, we're sorry we didn't get that information to you a little sooner, but it's already Sunday. And so um, we just want to remind folks that if you did miss that, which hopefully you did not, there's still opportunities out there. Well, I, I was able to draw in the, the original draw. I got my application in before May 31st, you know, at midnight. And we talked a lot about that. And and uh, Brian is with us today, too. And I know, Brian, that it's uh, one of those situations and it gets kind of tough every year when people are trying to get all their applications in and figure out what they want to hunt. And this year, it's a little different when it comes to deer and, and antelope. So you got to kind of figure alternate routes or alternate choices. So it really is confusing. Yeah, I know. It's really confusing. That's why, you know, I wish folks would just give us a call on the phone. We try to answer as many questions. You know, this year with the winter that we had, we had reduced thousands of licenses for antelope and deer across the state. I mean, thousands. And um, it may it's going to make it harder to draw antelope and deer licenses in a lot of places in the state. Um, but certainly after the draw, the regular draw and then leftover draw, you, people would see that there is some licenses still available. A lot of the deer and antelope licenses that were available were places that were mostly private land. And uh, hopefully those folks were able to obtain access before putting in for those licenses and draw. But we did have a, quite a few elk licenses available, mostly cow-calf licenses in places where numbers are still extremely high. We still need to you know, maintain or increase the harvest in a lot of those areas in central and eastern Wyoming especially. So we're trying to at least have those available for those hunters. And if they do draw and they, they have some questions about access, they can always certainly call us or their local game warden too. You know, the Wyoming Game and Fish Department is looking at all of the numbers of animals on the ground continuously. It's it's a year round process, like you know, and we've talked to Justin about quite a bit. And so, you know, it's something that we keep pretty close track of and we'll be watching throughout the summer. But the number of licenses that were issued were were correct. You know, we're um, making sure that um, in some areas where they were hit really hard with winter, you know, licenses were drastically reduced, but that wasn't everywhere in the state. And so just keeping that in mind, we just encourage folks that, that we did um, 
hopefully issue the correct number of licenses and that that is an opportunity for folks to go out and hunt this fall, which I think is, is pretty important for a lot of people in Wyoming. And so we don't want people to feel like they can't use their license if they get one. It is absolutely okay. And um, we, we want to encourage people to put in and get these leftover licenses if, if they want that opportunity. And we hope everybody enjoys um, the fall in Wyoming. The Wyoming Game and Fish Department is all about conservation, and you also look at this as lovers of the outdoors. You all get into this job because you love the outdoors and you love hunting and fishing and, and conservation, so it's not like you're being mean on any of this or you're anti-hunters or anything like that. You guys are doing it for the love of, of you know conservation. Yeah, absolutely, Drew. I think, um, you know, you nailed it. We all are in this job because we we love Wyoming, we love wildlife, and we're going to do the best that we can. So just as a reminder, you know, get out and enjoy it. And, and if you have any questions, comments, concerns, let us know. And again, as a reminder, I know that the media has put out a lot of, of fantastic information about what the winter was like, but it wasn't like that everywhere. And so we are being extremely conservative in some areas and not so conservative in others, but still making sure that we're making the right decisions for each of those herds to to make sure that they're healthy in the future. Brian, because of the winter we had, are we seeing people from other parts of the state that maybe were hit pretty hard coming toward the Casper region and maybe putting in for licenses they normally wouldn't? We're kind of guessing at that, but like say in a lot of those places where the the licenses were drastically reduced because of the winter, in a lot of cases um, to very small numbers, you know, 50, 75 licenses in huge hunt areas, you know, in other places like in central and eastern Wyoming where, you know, we, we had some really good pockets where antelope and deer did really well. I can see that uh, a lot of those folks are probably going to make those trips into new hunt areas and just a reminder for those people, if you are going to a new area, to make sure that you read your regulations to make sure when the, you know, when the season's open, you know, what the restrictions are and all that kind of stuff. If you're going to a new area, it, uh, it's, it's, a good, it's a good experience. It's a great opportunity to see another part of the state and hunt in a different part of the state. But also uh, make sure you read the regs so you know, you know all the ins and outs of that. And like say, call your local game warden, the local game warden in the area, or the game and fish office so we can help you out if you have any questions. We talk about the leftover draw, and that's going to happen July 6th. Then what happens after that with those leftover you know, licenses that aren't drawn? So there's a lot of places in the area where not all the licenses are going to be allocated during even the leftover draw. And then we come to a, a time period with starts in July 12th, which is first come, first serve. So those licenses will be available. All licenses left over after that um, will be available first come, first serve. You're buying those online or going to your local license selling agent and buying directly from them or Game and Fish office and buying directly from them. So there is going to be places where there's going to be like cow-calf licenses or cow licenses left over, and they'll be first come, first served. And uh, you can just buy those um, anytime during the entire hunting season. So if there's a hunting season that's still open for that hunt area, you will you will be able to be, purchase those licenses all the way up until the end of the season. The same as like a general elk or a general deer license for residents, you'll be able to buy those licenses starting that week of July 12th, all the way up until those seasons actually close um, during the hunting season this fall. And that goes for non-resident too. So someone could come in and, and buy a non-resident tag 
over the counter? Yeah. So a non-resident, it's first comes first serve for residents and non-residents. Of course, general licenses for elk and general licenses for deer are just available for residents. So really it is a great opportunity. If maybe you missed the application deadline and didn't get in where you wanted to go, you still have an opportunity to hunt. Yeah, most certainly. And and I think people will be surprised how many areas um, will have licenses left over. A good thing to think about those, those licenses are probably left over for a reason and it probably has to do with access. Right. So make sure that you get your access before you buy that license. Um, it's really one of those things, if you buy the license and, and can't and don't have a place to hunt, don't know where to go, all that kind of stuff, you probably waste that, wasted that money. So make sure and do a little bit of homework, uh, make those phone calls. Like say after the July 6th drawing, the, those lists will come out. So you will know what areas um, are available for first come first serve. So do a little homework, make some phone calls and see if you can't get some access before you buy that license. Brian, we have talked before when you buy a license, maybe you haven't gone through a hunter safety course yet. Can you still hunt, but you have to take that course before the season? Is that how that works? So you have to be, have to have a hunter safety certificate before you are in the field. So you have time and there's a lot of classes in Wyoming and probably other States too, before the hunting season starts, that's the main time. So July and August, but you also can get the mentor program. So if you have uh, a relative, a friend that actually um, has hunter safety, they can actually, you can, they can be your mentor and they can assist you during the hunting season. So you can actually sign up for the hunter mentor program um, and not take a hunter safety class, but we have somebody that will be your mentor for that fall. So if that's confusing to you, Call one of our front desks in the office, our offices, and we can get you all lined up. We can help you step-by-step how you do it. It's pretty simple or stop by at one of the offices. Um, It's a simple process and it's pretty common. There's a lot of people that take advantage of that hunter mentorship program. Brian, we all know that people get irritated, agitated, and a little confused by the preference points, but the open period to buy those is coming up here very soon too. So we need to remind folks that. Yeah, a lot of people forgot that in the past, uh, Drew, you actually would get your preference points when you actually applied, and it doesn't work that way anymore. And I hope people remember that because residents and non-residents can start applying for their preference points beginning in July, and that goes till like the end of October. So they have all those months to buy their preference points. Um, and it's extremely important for you guys to spend the time online. It just You're just going like you're applying for a license and you're actually applying for your preference points, but that doesn't start till July and you can buy those, but it's one of those things you just can't forget to do. For residents, we're just talking about um, moose and sheep. Um, Those are the only two licenses that um, are available for preference points. Now for non-residents, it's everything. So um, elk, deer, and antelope, you know, the non-residents. So if you have non-resident friends and relatives, remind them that they need to put in for their preference points for the next year's draw. And like say, hopefully next year, we'll have a few more licenses available some of those herds will start coming back and and maybe we can get back in the swing of things of offering more licenses in some of those areas that we didn't have any. Yeah, the preference point thing is confusing to a lot of folks. Basically, the more preference points you have, the better chance you have of drawing one of those rare licenses. Yeah, so preference points are basically the the people with the maximum number of preference points, like the most you can get are the first ones in the draw. They're the only ones that are in the draw. And like say, if they don't fill all the licenses available, you know, they don't take all licenses available, then it goes down to the person that has the second most points, you know, type of thing. So the more points you have, the better chance you have to draw. 
And like I say, if you just have like three or four and you need like 13 to draw a tag, certainly you are in the draw, in the random draw, and your chances are pretty slim. I mean, you can still you can still actually draw those licenses, but it's like playing the lottery, you know, if you, if you don't play, uh, you don't uh, win or if you don't win, you don't <laughs> you play. Don't, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> if you do win, you need to go buy one of those lottery tickets because you, know, <laughs> you got a good streak That's of luck. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> they can go on the website and they can, they can actually go to their profile page and look how many points they have for the critters. So, you know, just go on as yourself and you can look at your profile, tell you how many points you have for your non-residents elk, deer, and antelope. And then for residents for, I don't know how many moose points I have. It's like, well, you need to buy one anyway, but if you want to know how many you have, you can go to your profile page and it'll tell you how many you have. You know, technology is assisting quite, quite a lot when it comes to applying and and everything. So the website is a great source. And this is the first year that I actually, you know, signed up and I have an account now and, and it makes it so much easier. So I don't have to just guess at, you know, where did I have that license again? Or how many preference points don't I have? You know, we do still have a lot of folks in Wyoming that don't love technology. And so we're here to support them in that. So just let us know. And we are here to help get, you know, you can come to the office and we can get you set up on the portal system. And, well, and Drew, got one more thing that's really cool about that draw system. So if you click the point on there where it says you want game and fish emails, you know, when you put in for your, <laughs> your licenses, they will actually send you an email um, like right away in the morning when the draw happens. So you know if you drew or not, which I think is way cool. And try to instead of trying to go online and figure out if you drew the license or not, you yeah. actually get an automatic email from us saying, "Hey, you drew your elk tag this year." And this is what you drew. And this is what you drew. See? I think that's the coolest part about it because I'm not a technology guy. I yeah. don't like all those emails, but that's one of the good things about it that I don't have to search for if I drew or not, but I can get my email right away that morning. I wish yeah. I'd have known that because I got the email saying, "Here, click here, and then you can find out what you have." <laughs> yeah. My email comes and says, sorry, <laughs> that's what, so, you know, it depends. Maybe you, you want to think through that, you know, do you want to find out on your own a little bit later? So maybe, you know, your day isn't ruined, but it's like positive, mine, got yeah. to be positive. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, it's a, it's an exciting time. And uh, Brian, Janet, uh, as always, thank you. And we want to stress that if you have any questions, any information that you aren't really understanding to contact game and fish you can even show up at their office as long as it's you know before five o'clock and uh, and get any kind of information that you want but it's a fun time and i can't wait to kind of see how we're going for the rest of the uh, the year and and hopefully uh, it'll be a, a very happy ending for me and i'll have a freezer full of elk that's what i'm looking for that's the greatest ending ever. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. Here we are, Rocky Mountain Discount Sports, and Brian, it's wet. It is very wet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was talking to some folks earlier that said they've lived here their entire lives, and they don't know that they've ever seen it rain as much as it has, as consistent as it has. Right. And it's kind of bumming some people out. Yeah, you know, it's just uh, you, you look outside and it's just drizzly and wet, and you know, and then of course, then the grass grows twice as high, so you get you know twice as much lawn mowing yeah. to take care of. And uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been wet, and uh, actually got out fishing on Wednesday and uh, went down to Glendo and fought the drizzle, but uh, 
you know, it was actually some great fishing. Really, you know, the the report from Glenda for the last little while has been it's slow, you know, but mm-hmm. now it seems like the uh, the fish have woken up. I don't know. It was just, it was good for us, whatever, whatever the case was. I mean, we didn't catch a lot of big fish, but we caught a lot of legal fish and um, probably thirty five or forty, you know, before noon. Wow! So uh, it was a real simple kind of presentation, but uh, it, it's it's fun when you're catching fish. Yeah, absolutely, it is, and that'll really keep the the kids involved too. If you take a kid out and he doesn't ever catch something, he's not going to want to go back fishing. Yeah, we um, we were fishing next to a gentleman with his granddaughter, and I kind of felt bad. You know, they just they weren't quite on the right presentation, but they were catching a few. But we were, you know, left left and right catching them. So, and what you were just using leeches and worms? Leeches and worms was a trick. You know, we ran ran those you know silly little slip bobbers and uh, pitching a jig with a worm on it, and nice slow presentation and uh, very effective. Well, I'll tell you that you can come in, and, and you guys actually are just divvying up some leeches <laughs> when I got here today. So, right. I mean, obviously, that's an important uh, bait to be on right now. Yeah, and uh, leeches, you know, for the most part, are pretty easy to maintain. You know, it's, uh, keep them in a flat tray, uh, keep them fairly well spread out with an inch of water over over the top of them, and keep them cold. Keep them in the refrigerator. Maybe not the one your wife uses, but uh, uh, keep them out in the garage, whatever you have to do. And uh, you keep those things cold and keep some fresh water on them occasionally. Uh, they'll they'll stay good for six seven weeks probably i was just gonna ask how long and and then worms the same i mean you kind of keep them the same way i do um i've got uh, we we carry this nice uh worm box from hagen's and uh the the key with worms is to keep them cold and so once once they start getting warm then they get mushy and nobody likes a mushy worm so uh but like uh even at the house you know i put them put them in this uh fray bill worm bedding you know it's kind of a paper bedding and not too not too wet and uh, I keep that worm box in the refrigerator. And then when I'm on the boat, uh, the worm box that I have is designed to keep uh, ice packs around the outside edge of it. And so even when you're in the heat, you know, that box, it's like a little mini cooler for them. And they just kind of work to the bottom. But that's where it's nice and cool. And you can keep worms alive in there for a long time. Which it's almost like your own little worm farm at that point. If, you know, they're, maybe they're not breeding and reproducing. <laughs> right? But, right. you know, uh, if you're going out and you're uh, looking for something like that, Come on in, especially if you're a fisherman that goes out a lot. I mean, you hate to run out of worms, and with your box, it's pretty big. Well, yeah, and as, as, as moist as it's been outside and as wet as it is, I mean, your guy could probably go out with a flashlight in the, at night and pull them out of your own garage, you know, so uh, or out of your um, backyard anyways. <laughs> Hopefully you don't have a, a dirt floor in your garage. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> if you eh? do, there's nothing wrong. <laughs> uh, we've been seeing... Uh, a lot of people that are itching to get out and and get hiking and camping and matter of fact i was kind of delayed on going on a camping trip myself because of the the forecast but uh, obviously having a a good secure tent and and all the equipment that you need to get out and camp and and hike with a waterproofing and you guys carry a lot of that stuff Yep, tents, uh, tents, uh, backpacks, uh, you know, sleeping bags, cots, you, you name it, we've got it. Um, there's, there's a lot more tucked in here than a guy really thinks about when they start walking around. Uh, it shocks most people. But, yeah, you know, uh, Castro Mountain, you know, it's a, a lot of that's reservation systems up there now. But been seeing a lot of people just util- utilizing those camp spots up there. And we got Bear Trap coming up, you know, in a month or so. Uh, and that'll be a, a nice weekend to usually get out and enjoy some festivities. Yeah, 
Yeah. So get on by here and, and check out the uh, all of the gear. And maybe you're you're looking for a smoker. You guys are now carrying a great line of smokers. Of course, the Traegers, and you've added a few. Yeah, we've got the uh, Pit Boss. We were carrying their upper end Louisiana grills, and uh, those have really been uh, real popular. Um, of course, you know this is grilling season anyway, so we're you know selling lots of Traeger pellets and uh, the grills themselves. A lot of the uh, uh, single burner, two burner stoves, those Camp Chef ones that the guys like to, you know, maybe do a walleye fry in or maybe they're doing a crawfish boil, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we've uh, we got a good supply now and uh, it's a good time to get in. Well, get out here and check it out. Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. It's Brian and Drew back at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. And, you know, Brian, we had gone out a couple of weeks ago and fished and you went out this week and really we caught fish that when we went out two weeks ago and you caught fish yesterday we're not really in a full summer fish yet because of the way the temperature has been kind of goofy yeah the uh the water's warming up and water's kind of warming up slowly with all the runoff and all the rain that we've had so I think, you know, we saw water temperatures the other day at only around 68, seen a couple of days in the low 70s. So I think the fishing's better now than it probably will be. Right. But uh, with the water, the water coming up, I mean, it de- definitely uh, it changes the bite a little bit and what, what fish are doing. When we were out, we started with, you know, just kind of checking to see what the fish were doing. And the worms and leeches are really knocking them off the, the hook. But is it going to switch when it gets hot? Or what's the best time to... We're, we're still catching fish on plastics. You know, Wednesday we went out and... Uh, ran some uh, paddle tails and twister tails and just pitched them into the weeds up a little shallow and uh, we did catch fish doing that it's definitely not a fast and furious bite you know it's it's kind of a more of a get on the boat and search and destroy kind of mode you know (laughs) but uh the the worms and the the worms and jigs and the bobbers that they're still definitely outproduced uh the plastics for us a lot of people will spend lots and lots and lots of money and they'll go out and they'll get frustrated and all they do is go in here and pay you know (laughs) six bucks and they can have worms and (laughs) you know the and there's a lot of different presentations like when you're running worms you know you could you could run those under a bobber you could run them on a jig you could just uh put them on a floating jig head and fish from shore off of a slip sink with a slip sinker or you know a lot of guys especially at pathfinder will you know run a slow death presentation behind a a bottom bouncer or some type of a worm harness so uh you know the the worm the worm works well in most applications yeah that's one thing that you had said quite a few times that day is i've never seen a fish not like a worm you know yeah and you know the presentation it's kind of like you know i use the reference of uh you know eating a steak you know you put you put a, a good steak in front of me whether it's on a paper plate or a nice uh, piece of china i'm gonna eat it it yeah. doesn't matter really how it's presented to absolutely me. that is true now what about Seminole? i know you guys are heading up there in just a couple of weeks for the next round of the uh, wyoming walleye stampede mm-hmm. uh, how's it looking up there have you heard much there is an awful lot of water coming in uh, oh, yeah. i think it's eight foot from full right now wow um, and uh so I I don't know it's it looks like there's still just a bunch of water coming and uh, with these cooler temperatures the the runoff kind of seems like it might have slowed down a little bit, of course the, we've had extra rain to kind of offset that as well so. Really, uh, I think the Bureau of Rec seems to be doing a pretty good job of managing the water and, um, you know, getting these reservoirs filled back up. What level are we at now? Because if you just look at the the North Platte, you can tell that it looks like it's a little bit 
fuller than it, it normally would be because they have to release some of this water. You know, it, it just kind of depends year to year in terms of what they're what they're running through the the plat, right? Mm -hmm. So they have uh, recently turned down the the flow. I think they had it, it flown uh, maybe up as much as like two thousand through the North Platte system, but now they've they had it turned down with all the extra rain coming through. So I'm um, just kind of looking at the Bureau of Recs um, site right now to see really what we've got going on. You know, they're kind of managing that water through the plot system of just around a thousand cubic feet per second. So, which and a normal is four hundred. Uh, yeah, right? that, the, the, like that's, that's the, the minimal, right? Yeah. They, I think they they have to maintain at least like somewhere between four and five hundred. That's just uh, that's that's minimum flow required. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm looking at uh, Boysen Reservoir right now, and you know, it's it's no, I'm sorry, Seminole Reservoir, and it's um it's coming in at. Uh, 4,300 going out at 28 and 85% full. And I would imagine that when we get down to September and October, the folks over in uh, Nebraska are going to be needing some some water because I, I've heard that they've been missing out on the weather that we've been getting on yeah. the western side there. <clears throat> but I think uh, it kind of depends on what they've got for storage down below too. So and what I understand on uh, McConaughey, uh, it's a huge reservoir, but they, they're trying to maintain that at about 70% because of some uh, work needing to be done in the fall. Okay, so so really, there it could work in in our advantage where we mm -hmm. keep a lot of water for the rest of the yeah, year. Yeah, it sure be nice to see you know Seminole and Pathfinder both full uh, full again. I mean, uh, Pathfinder, you know, even even though the water's coming up, I think it's still only around sixty sixty five percent full. Which obviously, if uh, if you've been out on that water, you probably have seen some things that look a little different this year than they have the last couple of years. And when we uh, get down to the, the next round of the Stampede, how are people going to have to go to Seminole that maybe don't get that opportunity because it's so far out there that if they fished it last year, it's definitely going to be different than this year. It's going to fish it. You know, it's going to, I'd say it's going to fish differently, but it's going to fish the same. It's just going to be that, you know, water levels are going to be higher. So, you know, last year with the water levels at the time of year that we fished it, you know, there were, the shiners were spawning on the sand and uh, the guy that won the tournament, you know, was able to find a big pot of big fish pulling uh, crankbaits and uh, was able to, to, to do well doing that but um that bite the water temperature might not be high enough to you know get those 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 fish to spawn at that time of year so it might be a completely different uh, bite than it was so that's kind of the intriguing part about especially if, you know when you're fishing tournaments or just fishing for for fun is really especially in these reservoir systems is looking at the patterns of weather water right. temperature the elevation of the of the lake it's kind of like elk hunting you know i mean we know they're there we just got to find them and I'll tell you that if you're thinking about heading to Seminole and you haven't pre-fished, you might want to try to take a day or two and, and go do that if you're going to be in the... Well, it's you know, it's going to be a big body of water, and it kind of just depends on how much time a person has, right? And so... Uh, that that reservoir has is, is got kind of the main the main body of water, but then it also has the Medicine Bow arm that feeds it and the Platte River arm that feeds it. So, I mean, you could break down that lake in you know four three or four different days where you're spending some time up in each one of the river channels on the main lake, and then you know just depends on what kind of presentation you want to throw at them. We have been seeing a lot of boats on the the river in town and out of town, and mm -hmm. and some people were saying that it's pretty crowded in. in some spots 
Yeah, you know, I think there's uh, with all this rain and and as muddy as the the river is, it's been a little bit of a challenge for some of the guide services. You know, they're just not catching the quantity of fish that they would normally. I mean, this is normally just a lights out time of year for these mm-hmm. guide guide services, and it's kind of unfortunate for them that you know Mother Nature is throwing all this uh, rain at us and muddying up the water. But um, it'll it'll settle down, and um, you know this is pretty uncommon for us to have this much moisture this early and i think we're we've already hit our year accumulation of 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 moisture so uh hopefully that slows down for them though the uh rivers start to clear up a little bit and the in the in the plat will fish quite a bit better last year about this time we were talking about you know the don't stress the fish out when you you know catch and release Mm -hmm. and fish in the morning and not the afternoon and and now you got to fish in the afternoon just to stay warm. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a good good practice anyways, just to get fish back in the water as quick as possible. Um, as we get through the summer months, I mean, I'm sure at one point, you know, they're going to get this water flow turned back down and, and the water's going to warm up and the moss is going to start growing. But and we'll have our the same challenges that we've had in the past. It'll just be later in the summer. So uh, good things to be concerned about now if you're heading out on the river or you know maybe you're heading out to one of the reservoirs stop on in here rocky mountain discount sports it's wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors back on wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors i am drew thanks so much for tuning in and we as always love to reach out and chat with our friends that are out doing good things in wyoming and fred williams from first hunt foundation is one of those guys and fred thanks for coming back on the show well thanks Drew. i really appreciate the opportunity to get back on the show with you and really you know enjoy the the friendship that we have that continues to grow and and um look forward to giving some updates today on what we've got going on with the first hunt foundation and uh, here in the state of Wyoming and, and this great community that we live in. so You know, one of the fun things about First Hunt Foundation, well, it's right in the name, you guys are striving to get more people out in the wild to do hunting and fishing and loving the outdoors. And that really is the thought process behind the organization. And for those that may have never heard of it, um, can you give us a little background on the First Hunt Foundation? The First Hunt Foundation is a national organization. It has a presence in 45 states. It's a mentoring organization similar to Big Brother, Big Sister. So it's all about uh, helping people that wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to get into the outdoors and hunting and fishing um, through a coaching relationship and developing their confidence and self-sufficiency to ultimately do it on their own. So. Uh, it's 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 a little different than than a guided uh, experience, um, and uh, here in Wyoming, uh, the foundations had a presence for going on four years, and during that time frame, it's actually grown uh, just exponentially. I mean, it's just off the charts. Um, uh, we have. Uh, in excess of 100 mentors in the state of Wyoming, uh, we have five chapters, uh, we have uh, 10 programs and events that we, we do in collaboration uh, with Game and Fish and a number of other partners like uh, the East Yellowstone Chapter of Trout Unlimited, the National Wild Turkey Federation, uh, Pheasants Forever, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation chapter here in Wyoming. Um, and, and I'll have to apologize. It's, it's such an awesome 
position to be in with all all the partners is not enough time to to list them out here. But um, and and uh, we also do one on one mentoring um, and and um, the um, uh, I think overall. Uh, we get in excess of 250, approximately 300 people into the field every year, and most of them are most of them are uh, women and youth. A lot of moms with children, and we really encourage getting families involved um, because we're trying to, as part of this, we're trying to start family traditions and in getting into the outdoors. And, uh, and like I said, we do hunting. Um, bird hunting, um, uh, deer hunting, pronghorn hunting, um, turkey hunting. Uh, our fishing programs tend to focus on uh, fly fishing, and and we do the fishing programs uh, because uh, there's a number of people that aren't sure they really want to get into hunting, but it's it's a way to get them started and introduced to the outdoors and sometimes that does lead to, to hunting and, and if it doesn't it's, it's still good we're all you know we're all passionate about the outdoors and getting people out there is, is what matters um so that that's a little bit about the foundation and you know in those five chapters that i mentioned we've recently formed a uh, brand new chapter in uh the lander region and that's just getting started and we're, we're actually looking for mentors in that region to help build that uh, presence or that footprint in, in Lander. And, and also we've, we've got um, three new programs coming together with the uh, Wyoming Catholic College, and um, both hunting and fishing, and, and we're looking for mentors to help support those efforts as well as do other things. So you you guys are definitely growing, and uh, you know the bigger you guys become, the more folks will get into the outdoors. And you know, there's one thing that that I want to ask that I don't know that we've we've ever covered uh, on this show about how how it works. But let's talk a little bit about the uh, how the First Hunt Foundation will take someone that is interested in hunting and get them into the, the outdoors because a, a lot of them probably aren't uh, those that have uh, been able to apply for licenses or know about licenses or anything like that. Do you guys mentor them from step one of securing that license all the way through the, uh, the final harvest stage? Absolutely, and so we we are uh, A through Z. So um, you know, like like I mentioned, um, the First Hunt Foundation is a coaching uh, organization or mentoring organization. And you know, in the case of hunting, we we start off with hunter education, and uh, we don't actually provide the hunter education. Uh, but we will facilitate um, getting people that are new um, uh, registered to take the hunter ed. And then we start working with um, developing basic skills, you know, basic firearm skills. And then in a lot of cases, we'll work up to like a simulated hunt 
with live fire and you're crawling around with range finders and binoculars and you know we have 2d paper targets set up and and we do all kinds of things different scenarios where we we simulate um you know safety considerations that have to take you have to take into account you know um shooting across a two track out on the prairie or potentially not shooting across it um you know what's in the background you know, um, what license do you have in your pocket and what are you looking at? Because we'll have both whitetail as well as mule deer targets set up um, and to facilitate, you know, IDing the animal. Um, and, and then ultimately we, we get out for the hunting experience. And, and during that process, like you said, we, we also help with applying for the licenses. And, you know, and for somebody that's new to it, that can be, a little bit overwhelming uh, to work through all all that and figure out what you need and and then we do the hunting experience or the fishing experience uh, in the case of hunting we like to go all the way to the table uh, and and we'll coach in the field on how to process the game uh, there as well as post hunt you know processing the meat for the freezer and then and then actually preparing the meal because you know it's uh, wild game is really good to eat, and when people enjoy eating it, they get more excited uh, to to do more hunting. And and with the fishing, it's a little different uh, in the sense that uh, we don't always uh, fish with the idea of consuming the fish that we catch. You know, some of our fisheries are struggling. And so we teach, we actually teach everything I just described as far as developing the skills from a fishing perspective. We'll do fly tying and fly casting and, 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 and we'll get out and fish uh, ideally multiple waters, but we teach conservation and in some waters they're meant to be enjoyed more for catching these native uh, fish species and not necessarily consuming them. Um, and then there's waters that are, you know, purposely managed for uh, catching a lot of fish, and we'll fish those too, and 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 um, you know we'll process the fish, and you know, and the goal is to get them all the way to the table. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 really awesome to watch people, I say, gain the confidence going through all that, and um, and. You know, the heartwarming stories that we have are just, you know, it's just off the charts in terms of changing people's lives when, when we do that stuff. You know, and, and I assume, you know, you mentioned that a lot of single mothers and, and their children are some of your biggest, you know, clients or, you know, I don't want to say clients, but partners in in this uh, this journey. So I'm sure that it, it takes a lot of pressure off of, Moms that see their kids that, you know, they go to school and they see all their buddies that are going out on a hunt and, and they want to do it, but they just don't have the opportunity. But that's what First Hunt Foundation does. And to do all of that, uh, you guys need funding and you work solely off of 501c3. You are a charitable organization that just gives back to the, the families and the people of Wyoming and a big day is coming up for you guys on July 12th, and that's Y.O. Gives Day. That, 
That's correct. And and uh, as you mentioned, uh, the First Hunt Foundation is a nonprofit. It's an all-volunteer organization. Uh, there are no paid staff. Um, and so every dollar that is donated to the foundation is put to use 100% um, uh, in the Wyoming community and helping others and changing lives, um, getting into the outdoors. And so Wild Gives is coming up on the 12th of July. It's a statewide uh, fundraising campaign that benefits a number of nonprofit organizations. And the First Hunt Foundation is participating in, in it uh, for the first time this year. Um, and uh, it's... It's a great opportunity to really make a difference. Um, uh, we uh, have the opportunity to get matching funds for every dollar that's donated. And in fact, um, the Wyoming Game Wars Association, which is one of our leading collaborative partners, is a special relationship. Um, they really get excited about what the First Hunt Foundation is doing and the difference that it's making. And they've offered to match dollars um, in in the first well the, the sorry the, the game wardens association has offered uh, a challenge match of three thousand dollars for for the donations um, in that that event and and there's some other opportunities uh, so to uh, Participate in that. Um, the easiest thing to do would be to follow the First Hunt Foundation on Facebook at First Hunt Foundation Wyoming, and there's an event for Wild Gives that people can tick the boxes going, and they'll they'll get updates. And then the other way to do it is to um, mark the calendar for the 12th of July, and then go to WildGives.org on their website and search for the First Hunt Foundation and the donation page will pop up. It is definitely a great opportunity, uh, especially maybe if your child or you were affected and helped out over the last couple of years Mm -hmm. by the First Hunt Foundation here in Wyoming. Again, go check them out on Facebook. It's First Hunt Foundation-Wyoming. And then you can also go donate directly to the cause at uh, firsthuntfoundation.org. And, Fred, I, I always love talking to you and, and uh, know that we're going to get some good information. And you guys are doing such a good thing, and, and we sure appreciate that. Yeah, and I really appreciate it once again, uh, Drew, for having us on the show. And I appreciate all the support that we get from the Wyoming community, and, and without that support, we wouldn't be making near the impact that, that we're making on getting people outdoors. It's just, it's just an awesome state to live in. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with Drew Kirby. If you have a question, want to make a comment, or have an idea for a show topic, message us on the My Country mobile app. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors.